Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Crivello, he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight, don't we? Uh, oh my gosh, as always, as always, Serie A is the gift that keeps on giving as we approach yeah. the holiday season. Yeah, uh, They're getting a head start um, on uh, on doing some gift giving, aren't they? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No panettone for some uh, some individuals. Yeah, we've already seen. Uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that a little bit, won't we? We've got some uh, some managers that have already been. We we talked about Paulo Sosa earlier. Uh, uh, Zanetti at Empoli. Uh, go, uh, um, uh, what's the fellow's name in Udinese, please? Ah, uh, Sotil. Um, uh, Dionisi still has a job, doesn't he? Um, he does for now. Yep, yep, for now. So. Uh, so those are some interesting ones. And then, uh, one a little closer to the top that we're going to get in and break down. So, uh, so, uh, we're excited to have the chance to chat with all of you about that. Um, we, uh, we have plenty to discuss. Uh, we'll, uh, so we'll have a number of topics, uh, kind of go down by those. Uh, we're, we're kind of now that we're at another international break, pivotal moment for the Atsuri. By the way, we're going to talk about the Atsuri call-ups. We're going to talk about a possible starting lineup uh, for the game on, I believe, Friday against North Macedonia um, yep. and uh, and speculate a little bit uh, on uh, the method behind Spalletti's madness if he does indeed go with that 4-3-3 and what it'll mean against North Macedonia. Uh, and then we'll round it all off with the world's most popular hashtag game, who won Calcio Twitter? It's still Twitter to us. Uh, so, and as and, and we're going to, we're going to let this die a death. So uh, <laughs> for all of you out there, yeah. uh, also, hey, if you are uh, watching us for the first time, uh, please subscribe so uh, you and, and, and hit the notification bell. This way you know when we're going to be live. Generally, we're live on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, so please. And if you're listening to us on the podcast route, and if you ever want to catch us live, that's when we are generally on uh, Tuesday nights, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'd love to get more people in the chat to kind of talk about uh, the Calcio with us. Uh, so um, if you're not doing anything and you're, you know, you're stateside or in Canada on a Tuesday night, hey, come and join us. And um, I know there's a lot of hockey that goes on on Tuesday night, so maybe our Canadian friends are probably a little preoccupied with that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, there's no American football really on Tuesdays unless you're into the college football, unless you're into the the maction uh, no. and you want to watch like Akron playing Toledo and uh, with all due respect. I think these are these are teams like kind of around where Lisi lives. I'd rather watch Roma against uh, Lazio 0 0. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, wow. What a, uh, what a waste of two hours of everybody's <laughs> life that was. Um, so I probably could, we probably, probably could have called that before. And I think yeah. we said 1 1. We were trying to be generous and give them goals, but yeah. uh, that didn't even happen. So that was a shame. But we'll, uh, you know, we'll touch on that. I think we'll probably, because the game was so drab, we'll just touch on the state of those two teams, okay. uh, you know, in our topic. So uh, we'll mix in how these guys did in Europe and kind of where they sit uh, with respect to all of that. Uh, but lots to talk about. But it begins at the beginning, Richard. Um, 
two teams uh, who were in the spotlight uh, with a, with managers in the hot seat, two of the top teams in Serie A. In fact, the last two Serie A winners, uh, you know, with managers in the hot seat. Uh, one decides to hang on to their manager. One decides to let go of their manager. So in their games this weekend, Milan, a 2-2 draw against Lecce. Of course, we're talking about Stefano Pioli. They jump out to a 2-0 lead. For some reason, and I, I, I might be injury related, but Calabria has to come off at halftime, and he does not bring on Alessandro Florenzi, who he happens to have on his bench at his disposal, and actually plays right back. Who does he bring on? He brings on Yunus Musa, and uh, everything completely fell apart yeah. um, from that substitution. Uh, he uh, loses Sansoni. Uh, on the second ball on the corner. And then he has the miserable touch that leads to the Lecce counter uh, to make it the 2-2 draw. Um, and then that's when it dawned on Pioli, hey, I better put Florenzi and he knows how to play that position and I'll move Musa back into the midfield. That's that's That was his moment that he decided, yeah, I should probably change that. Not not when it was 2-1. He waited till it was 2-2. He waited till, all, till the two points were dropped. Uh, and then on the other hand, you had uh, what's going to turn out to be Rudy Garcia's last match as Napoli manager, losing at home 1-0 to Empoli um, as, you know, and I believe team is playing a little bit better under Andrea Zoli, but that is as inexcusable as it gets if you're Napoli and if you're the defending City champions. So, uh, so here's what I said, Richard, when I when I went to Twitter today, went to X, whatever you want, whatever Elon Musk wants to call it now. <laughs> City managerial experiment. Okay, we've got all of these 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 Milan Twitter Pioli out types that like to chase me. They they call me out whenever Milan doesn't get a result. They're awfully quiet when Milan win. By the way, I'm going to call that. You know, let's let's call that. So out. they were quiet in the midweek. Yeah, they were quiet in the midweek after the PSG game, um, but they're happy to call me out when Milan don't get the results against at Lecce, which. You know, ask Lazio how uh, playing at Lecce worked way back at the beginning of the season. And ask most teams when they go to Lecce how it works for them. Um, you know, but the fashion with which the points were dropped was very disappointing. 2-0 up. Got to figure out how you're going to go on and win the game. But, you know, so, um, you know, so they're clamoring for Pioli's head every time something goes wrong. Napoli fans have been unhappy with Rudy Garcia to see us seemingly since the start of the season. So we have the experiment here laid out before you. And what did we say? We, we haven't really focused a whole lot on Garcia going. We know that Napoli fans weren't unhappy or were unhappy. Um, but ADL was very unhappy. ADL in particular was very unhappy. Yeah, the, big, biggest, the biggest Napoli supporter out there, right? So we got Pioli, who's on thin ice, but Redbird says he still has his job. Okay, and, and you and I talked about this multiple times. Who are you going to get? Who's going to make Milan better than where they're currently sitting? Third in the uh, Scudetto and only one point out of the qualifying places in the Champions League group. But at the time we were talking about is they were bottom of the Champions League group, two points out. So they made some progress there. So Pioli stays, Garcia goes, and Walter Mazzari is now brought in to rescue uh, this Napoli side. So this is so Milan is the control. And Napoli is the sample in the Serie A managerial science experiment here. And I'm just going to start by saying this. I can comfortably tell you that Milan will finish ahead of Napoli in the table. 
Okay. Your react, but let's start with, but let's go to, let's go to the decisions here and let's start, let's focus on Napoli first. Your reaction, Garcia out, Matsadi in. Well, I think the first part is the funniest part that ADL, Aurelio De Laurentiis, announced the signing of Walter Mazzari before letting go Rudy Garcia. Officially, officially, which I think is very comical and it explains a lot what's happened lately with Napoli. But yeah, man, it's uh, we talked about this Rudy Garcia. I don't know if it was last week or a couple weeks ago, and we're like, we we especially when ADL rumors, ADL mouth started going off about Rudy Garcia, Rudy Garcia saying he's a he's an age manager, doesn't know the game anymore. It's all past him. It's like, dude, you hired him, but you had the, the you had the notion that. His, his time is short. He's going to be gone. But we kept saying, who are you going to, who are you going to bring in? You know, yeah, you're not going to win Scudetto maybe this year, but you're certainly a top four team. You have a, a super uber talented team that's going to, you know, it's one of the best teams in this league in terms of talent alone. Let it ride out. Maybe they'll figure themselves out and they're going to get it going. Obviously, the main thing with Napoli is that when they go to these big games in like Champions League, for example, they do well. Rudy Garcia is good in those situations. Against the teams they should beat, other than this weekend, they usually do well. It's the teams at the top of the table which they've been struggling at, and that's really what separated them from the top, you know, Inter and Juve from everybody else. Uh, and so with the loss, obviously, to Empoli, you figure head was ahead was going to roll, and it was Rudy Garcia. It's not going to be Osimhen. Osimhen's injured. It's not going to be uh, Kawada who was on the bench to start the game. That's probably our first red flag that he's going to be gone. Uh, but... Yeah, the the fact that they let him go and then um, you heard all the different names, Igor Tudor and Walter Mazzari were the names that came to the forefront. And then you hear the, the announcement of Walter Mazzari. And before I get to my reaction, I do want to read a friend of the show, Zambo. I call him Zambo. Um, if you look for it on Twitter, it is uh, uh, A-I-L-L-I-W-R-E. Anyway, he says, uh, as a somewhat resident partner in the sit-down chat, Succinctly, Matsari is a caretaker for the rest of the year to hold a UCL spot. It's not a long-term solution, which in part is why I'd rather have this than go with whoever is out there with the money. We understand the situation, aren't expecting a Scudetto at this point. It's about stability and giving them time for a long-term successor starting next campaign. And by no means does this mean that the parts on the pay are all on board with him as a caretaker. I'm neutral, but when understanding the adjusted goal, it makes sense, with uh, which many outside in the pundit land don't understand. When you read that, you know, if, if, the, if that is the adjusted goal, it makes sense. But, you know, what have we said for since this podcast has been going on for what, eight, nine years now, uh, eight years? The second coming of your favorite manager or favorite player never works out. Never no. works out, right? No. As much as we want to. I mean, just look at the Azuni for a second. I mean, look at uh, Lippi coming in. Uh, yeah. The return didn't do anything. We would love to see all these returns happen and, and do well, but for the most part, it doesn't work out. Now, Walter Manzani had a great time under Napoli the first time. Obviously, he had that fantastic trio that he got to operate under, and they did some great things. They had a nice, you know, what, 3-1 win against Chelsea in the Champions League at home. It was a great tie against them, the two-legged affair. But uh, that was, what, 2016? I mean, how long ago was that? Uh does he still have it? all the teams that he's been on recently that have either been a relegation or been really poor, like the Watford, the Cagliari's of the world? Does he still have it? Maybe he does. As time will tell. And if he's just there to be the stability and get them in that Champions League spot to the end of the season, okay, I understand that. It's probably better than Igor Tudor, in my opinion. However, 
don't hold don't hold your breath so fast because the top four is not a guaranteed thing. Atalanta, they they're pretty good this year. Juve obviously mm-hmm. doing uh, old Juve things, uh, and don't forget about the two Roman clubs and, and maybe Bologna gets involved. Who knows? But the top four isn't a sure thing, right? A lot might not make the top four yet at this point. Who knows? Uh, but the fact that they brought in Rudy Garcia now, I understand why they did it so early because it gives them time to adjust and you got the the big the big uh winter winter coming up here you got the international break to kind of get started with the acclimation but i don't know i i i'm i'm gonna be a wait and see it was certainly shocking because i and i think i think both both of us thought this wasn't gonna happen just yet it was gonna maybe go through mid-season before this happens i get why they win it i know they went after some big names um and if if what zambo is saying is that hey this is just a caretaker until they get their manager that makes more sense than saying Walter Mazzari for life because I, I don't see that happening very well. And, hey, Mazzari could come in here and really right the ship and then play fantastic ball. It surprises us all. And I'm sure that's the part that the pace supporters want to see. It would be fun to see for the league. But I'm going to wait and see because I'm not convinced by any return of any manager to the, a club that they were at before. What about you? Well, uh, there's a 2.0 going on right now that's been pretty successful. That's Carlo Ancelotti at Real Madrid. I've heard of him. Um and the other 2.0 that I can recall that I would probably call relatively successful is Jose Mourinho's second stint at Chelsea, one in the Premier League. I believe won an FA Cup in there as well. Um, so maybe that's not what Chelsea fans want, but I think when you <laughs> – I, I would measure that as a success for a second, you know, for a return. Yep. But I'll, I'll name some managers that have come back a second time that are that I'd like to that I that I think pretty highly of that it didn't work out. Arrigo Saki, we talked about that on this podcast. Fabio Capello came yeah. back to Milan a second time that didn't work. Um, uh, Lippi a second time at Juventus. It was not okay. He got him to the Champions League final in two thousand three against Milan. Um, but it was certainly not the level of success that he enjoyed in the mid nineties when he had Del Piero Zidane, um, you know, the, the year that he won it with, um, uh, Ravinelli and Viali and, uh, Paulo Souza and Didier Deschamps. So, um, you know, so Spalletti's second go at Roma was maybe equal to his first. So it certainly wasn't better. No. So yeah, the two point the the, the two and, and and sometimes it doesn't work out with players either. You know, and uh, I mean, currently Griezmann's enjoying some success playing for for the Atletico Madrid for the second for a second stint, but you don't often see a lot of you know uh, you know two point go particularly well. I and mean, you can you can maybe say Ibrahimovic, but I think that his second stint was successful for the leadership that he provided off the pitch versus what he uh, provided on it yeah. uh, or what he was able to do on it. So, you know, I mean, Kaká's second stint at Milan was a disaster. Um, you know, he also, yeah, Sheva. I mean, you know, so the list goes on. So, so to that effect, the odds are against Napoli doing anything substantial here the rest of the season, you know? Um, and, What's the motivation for playing a guy that's just going to be a caretaker, right? Um, this isn't going to be the voice that you that that you hear going forward. Um, so you got that to be concerned about. And is this a dressing room that has the maturity to be able to play through that? 
Um, you know, so lots of questions here. You can't just sit here and, you know, Mitsadi comes in and I do some, you know, some of our Napoli friends are happy to see Mitsadi back. He's, he's kind of a cult figure for sure. Uh, for sure. With them. So, uh, but how many times does Rafa talk glowingly about Walter Mazzotti? Right. So yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Apex talking about Lukaku 2.0 at Chelsea. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, um, I mean, in, in even Lukaku 2.0 at Inter, you could you could say wasn't what they hoped. I mean, you know, it, it didn't deliver a scudetto while he was there. It got to the Champions League final, but he might have gotten the way gotten in the way of them <laughs> uh, tying that match. So, yeah. um, you know, so that's what they you know. So that's what I think by and large you have to look forward to. You know, but but like think, look at it this way because you also said it too with with Pioli and Milan is like. Who of, of of someone who they could rest their laurels on and say you are our main guy through and through for the next several years? Who's available right now? No right. one. I mean, the only guy is Conte. He's already rejected him twice. There's no one really ready. So maybe you wait until you find a caretaker until you get to the summertime. Maybe more options become available because the managers that you would want to be a long term uh, manager for your club are more like more than likely with a team right now. And so you're gonna yeah. have to wait till this off season so you can kind of, you know, hopefully. Bring in some money and have them come into the league. So your team. So we'll see. Well, that's know. just it. No one significant is coming right now when you don't when they don't have a window to work with to bring in to recruit their the players that they want um, and a preseason training to implement and install the way they want to do things. Okay, you got to you carry out the way things were the rest of the way, and that's really that, that that's really what you're stuck with. So um, yeah, so I don't, you know, I certainly. The Napoli supporters are going to cheer. They're going to enjoy. They're going to enjoy Mitsadi being on the touchline again. I, I, I am concerned about the level of success that they're actually going to have. I, I think, and we'll talk about it. We'll we'll talk about it here shortly. But I think top four is at risk for these guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you really have to say that top four could end up getting out of reach at some point this season. But we'll we'll see. We might come back to this podcast, and I'm either right or wrong on that. But that's certainly something that, you know, that's that that should be Napoli's ambition for the rest of the season is lock up yeah. top four and make this job attractive for the next manager that's coming in. There's probably only two teams, and it's still early in the season to say this, but it's probably only two teams that have the top four locked. Everyone else, it's it's a crapshoot yeah. who's going to make it. And so um, I want to give a shout out to Apex here because I want to talk a little bit about Spalletti versus Rudy Garcia. And Apex put me on to the Obi-Wan podcast, uh, John Obi Mikhail's podcast. And they had Victor Osiman on there as a guest. Uh, very entertaining podcast. I recommend you go listen to the whole thing. It's just a fantastic mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but they asked Victor Osiman, you know, about his about the Scudetto year and how everything was and told us to describe Spalletti. And he said, you know, Spalletti lived at the stadium seven months of the year. It's like this guy lived and breathed Napoli. Uh, and some examples, he said, like there, there, he sent him a, a, the whole team a, a WhatsApp text that kind of said everything about the Napoli. Like, why this is why you should love Napoli, the city of Napoli, and listed everything about it. But he, he uh, they said um, Spalletti knew everything about the city, knew everything about the club, and he tried to instill that into all the all the players to really want it. And then a good example that Victor Osimhen said as well is that um, in the game. With I think eight games to go or so against Juventus, it was zero zero at halftime, and he thought you know going into the locker room that Spalletti was going to yell at all of them, and all he did was he kept quiet, looked everyone in the face, and he says, "Look, 
he kind of gave a motivation speech to say, look, look, I've never won a championship before. Many of you have never won a championship before. This is your time to make history. You win in Napoli, you will go down in history as, as one of the greats. Mm-hmm. Go out and do it. And they went out against Juventus. Raspadori got the game winner there. They obviously went on and went to Scudetto. Uh, they went back to Napoli after that game and freaking 15,000 fans are out there, you know, celebrating them. And so Victor Osman talked about how Spalletti really understood Napoli, understood the team and the city. And that's what they kind of lived and thrived through. Rudy Garcia, on the other hand, you don't get that vibe. Uh, no. Someone in the chat just said, I think uh, Patrick Kendrick, um, one of the commentators for Serie A, he had mentioned that Rudy Garcia was reluctant to watch uh, Napoli games from last season. Like, why wouldn't you? That that was a recipe for domination in the league. Why wouldn't you do that? Right. It seems like Rudy Garcia is so detached from the city, from the team. He's obviously having some quarrels with Osimen and Havarashelia and some other guys. It just seemed like there's always this rift, obviously, with ADL, right? But the, the difference between Spalletti and how he got this team to be just this historic team from last year they just dominated and then to rudy garcia's team where they had the same team basically and they just have all these hiccups along the way and it's uh it's a contrast of what spalletti did you really have to appreciate what spalletti did last year because we said it last week it's just a magical season it absolutely was you could tell now by what rudy garcia hasn't done right so right. it's interesting go check the podcast out shout out to apex for mentioning that to me because that was a wonderful podcast yeah um Hundred percent there, and I mean there is, especially with a club like Napoli and in, in a city that really embraces that. I mean that city embraces that club. Oh yeah, more than I, you know, more than any other city in Europe. I mean the 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 love affair that the city has for the team, you yeah. know, and you can't, you know, can you say that about? You could probably say that about Barcelona. You could probably say that about Bayern Munich. Um, but what's different is is that those cities still have other teams that play. Like in in, in that region in Catalonia, you got Espanol. You know, and, and not everybody's a Barcelona fan in Barcelona. There's Espanol supporters in Bayern Munich. There's 1860 Munich, and in, in you know, Real Madrid, it's Real or Atleti. In Milan, it's Milan or Inter. You know, I was in Milan for a derby. <laughs> you know, and I'll tell you what, it was, you know, that day, the day of walking in the Duomo and, and just kind of going around and seeing the sights and just kind of doing the people watching. It was literally oh, yeah. red and, split, red and black and blue and black. Okay. Yeah, everyone you meet is either red or black, you know, they're or red and red or blue. Um, yeah. But also, you know, explained it so fantastically how much the how passionate the fans are in Naples. You know, they, they adorn the, they adorn the team, they adorn the city and it really is something special. And he, he, he loves playing there. Uh, so just really great to hear his perspective. We always see the outside perspective and the fans perspective, but hearing his perspective, how he, how he embraces it. Uh, it's wonderful to hear. Yeah. I mean, as far as cities and love affair with one club, Napoli might be tops in Europe when it comes to that. And, there's another another Italian city might be right there in the top five, Fiorentina. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but the rest of you know the rest of Europe. I'd be interested if people are listening to this if they if they have ideas and other you know that you know uh, what cities really really embrace the club that represents their city. You know more than you know as much as Napoli or who comes close. You know, I will say this, John Obi Mikel, who obviously was from Chelsea for the longest time, he even, yeah. when Chelsea went there in the Champions League, he had never seen an atmosphere like the Stadio Maradona. Well, now it's called Stadio Maradona, but the atmosphere yeah. of the Champions League was just amazing, and it, it yeah. goes to that same point. 
Yeah. So, um, and if you're a manager going to a club like that, you better embrace that and you better be about that. I mean, I, I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in a two hour drive North, there's the green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Okay. In, in the national football league. And that's the only game in town up in that part uh, of the state of Wisconsin. And, and, and I'll tell you what, that city embraces that team. And if you're coming to be the head coach of the green Bay Packers, you better be, you better be about that community and you better be mm-hmm. about right. what's around it and that sort of thing. Exactly. So, um, you know, and you better, you better get that. So, um, and it's Argentina or Brazil team, certainly, but we're talking about Europe. I mean, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I mean, Boca and Boca juniors. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, uh, uh there was a, uh, Netflix, there was a, a documentary on Boca. Yeah. It was a good, um, that was a good one. Check that, that out. One. That was amazing. Um, you know, almost turned me into it. Like, I mean, I, I I'll watch a Boca game just for the atmosphere at the bone banana. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so. Uh, you might make an argument for, I mean, but but parties in Belgrade is there, but Savannah's Vesda. I mean, the passion in that stadium for that team. Yeah. Um, Eintracht might be. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if what what's you know Eintracht Frankfurt. I mean, it's just fascinating. I mean, we're kind of yeah, Warsaw. Yes, a lot of few few teams out there yeah. that you can distinctly relate to the fans. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're drifting off topic here. Yes, we are. But it's an interesting it's an interesting conversation to have. I mean, if you if you have other clubs that you support that feel that you feel that way about that club, and in the sense that Napoli, the city of the city of Napoli feels about their club, you know, we we like to hear those ideas. Um, Schalke, yeah, that's you, Eric. That's you, Eric. <laughs> okay, um, he's not wrong. Yeah, this is this is true. You get the you get the, uh, the you get the Schwarzgelben out in that area though too. So never heard. I mean, of yeah, I know. <laughs> They're only, playing to- Milan, they're only playing Milan twice, but let's come back now to the team that kept their manager, Stefano yeah. Pioli. And I yeah. think that Redbird's line of thinking is consistent with what really needs to be the practical answer here. What's the problem? What, what trouble are we really in? We're in third. We're still in it in the Champions League. Why would we want to make this change now is kind of the attitude that they're taking. Okay, 100%. we've had some bad luck with with some results that we probably should have won we've dropped four points that uh that shouldn't have happened because have they not dropped those points they're still in third uh but they get a lot more separation from fifth than they're currently in um so i and 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 you know me and 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 richard if you're listening to this podcast we're behind where redbird's thinking here i mean we've said there's there's just who are you going to get um, who are you going to retread or who are you going to get that the players are going to believe in to rally and see this thing out and keep a Champions League place for next season, keep top four and that sort of thing. Right now, your best option is the guy you got. Right. And uh, the thing was, it's not to say we're not frustrated. I am extremely frustrated watching this sure. team week in a week out. It's a funny statistic, and I haven't fact-checked this yet, so take this with a grain of salt, but Milan Milan Post posted this. Uh, with Without Krunic this season – Milan are four four wins, one draw. Yeah. With Krunic in the lineup, three losses, two draws. So maybe Krunic is the problem. Pioli's pet, you know, is the uh, the problem. But no, it's it's a lot of things going on. I mean, both teams suffer from inability to score at times. We saw Napoli had a million chances against Empoli, failed. Barisha was stood on his head. Milan had a million opportunities against Lecce, same thing. And and every game, it seems like they they come they come close. But it's those things that really frustrate you when you're up two nothing. You have you should be winning this game, 
and they come back. And really, that's a loss because oh, Hristovich scored a goal in the, in the last end of the game. It was a poor call that kind of reverses to make it 2-2. So mm-hmm. I feel for, I feel for Lecce fans because it should have been a win for them. It was completely wrong. Completely wrong call. Uh, yeah. But there's absolute frustration with Pioli. Uh, but I I don't – my frustration isn't at the point where I, I think he's got to go because – who do you bring in? There's nobody in that you can bring in. There's, I can't think of a caretaker that I think would do a good job. It would be the same job he's doing now, which is top four. That's the ultimate goal, which Redbird wants. And then admit like Napoli, like Napoli is going to do in the summer, you can reevaluate. And if you want to make a move, make a move then. But, you know, it'll only be more dramatic. I mean, and again, we have to see how the results happen at the end of the season. Obviously, Redbird want to go deep in Champions League. I would imagine and also a top four. They want a top four. Scudetto is great. But they want a top four and go deep in Champions League because that's where the money is. Uh, but you know, I don't know. It's, I think, I think Milan made the better, better choice in the situation. But again, I understand where Napoli coming from. You know, Rudy Garcia didn't get it. He was nothing compared to. It was night and day between him and Spalletti. So I understand why he had to go there. But Pioli, um, I still have the faith in him, even though he pisses me off so many times every week. <laughs> we got it, and, and and Milan Twitter and the Pioli outcry, a, a fraction of you, not all of you. No. Please stop sitting here thinking that Ignacio Abate, you know, is going to work out just like Pep Guardiola worked out for Barcelona. Do you know how many times that's worked where a youth manager steps into the big seat and takes over once? Man by the name of Pep Guardiola. Okay, so twice. All right. Twice in the entire history that it's been tried. Okay. At two very special clubs where they have the resources to overcome the relative lack of experience that that manager has. Milan is not, they don't have the resources that Barcelona did when they promoted Guardiola or Real Madrid when they promoted Zidane. Okay. So get off it. It's not going to, okay. I like Ignacio Abate, but let the man, let the man make his own way. Let him make his own path. Let him make his own career. Okay. Don't throw him into a situation, and then all of a sudden, because I know how you guys are, 15 matches later, you regret it, and you want him out. So I'm going to caveat or venture over here just a little bit. So Milan did not change their manager, but they did bring in or are trying to bring in Ibrahimovic. Yeah. Um, and so, again, it's it's kind of what we said earlier, you said earlier about, like, you know, the thing with Ibra, what he was so good about with Milan's good at the run was that the backroom stuff. He, you know, he kept the, the locker room straight. Um, he, you know, he had obviously added his wisdom for the young strikers, young players. And so that's kind of what this move is all about. He's not going to, what, from what you propose here is that, yeah, he wants to have, um, he wants to be one of the team managers, but not have any say in the, in the market or anything. He just wants to be in a backroom guy, be part of the team and kind of help this team get back that mentality that they lost. They clearly lost because right now the only, only people they got, you got Calabria as, as one, of the, one of the senior players there and Kiar. Outside yeah. of that, it's all young, all new faces on the team. So mm-hmm. I understand that move. Uh, it should be, it's a better move than bringing a new manager, I think. We'll see. If it doesn't work, give it to them both, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think that that's, I think it's, if, if, you, if you can make it work and it's something that Ibrahimovic wants to do. Hans um, yeah, they try to compare about to, to explain why he should take over. And then one, one meal on Twitter guy. That's, that ends up in my feed, wanted to highlight how Abate got pissed off that his youth team slowed down after a 2 nothing lead and showed that, it's, you know, that he was demonstrative. And that's not why he should take over, and that's not why Pioli should be – I mean, I'm just reaching at this point. But anyway, we'll see. I mean, we're not going to feel or know the influence that Ibrahimovic has. Nobody is. 
It's all going to be behind the scenes. It's all going to be in the back rooms. Um, you know, what I don't want this to become is a situation like when Milan had uh, Zvonimir Boban. And then Boban just went to the press and ran his mouth and got him. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so that's. Oh, Ibra could do that. <laughs> and sure he could. Sure he could. You know, uh, but I mean, considering what he means to the club and considering what he means to a large percentage of those players, new new signings that didn't play with him notwithstanding, I think it, it makes sense. I think that there'll be some comfort for some of these players that they can they can lean to a guy like that. So. Zava, yeah. <laughs> so let, to kind of wrap this up, uh, and it kind of ties us together. So for Napoli and Milan looking forward, say they both are in a hunt for a new manager. One of the names was just mentioned, Hansi Flick. Who would be who would Hansi Flick be a better fit for if you know he were to go to one of those clubs? Not saying he's going to, but it was a question posed on, on Twitter. Would it be would he be better fit at Milan or would it be a better fit at Napoli? Milan. But, Milan, so? and, and and because I think that when you see some of Pioli's tactical characteristics, he likes to do a lot of high line and pressing. What it, what were Hansi Flick's Bayern teams really good at, especially the one that won the treble? Yeah. They high line because they had two fast center backs that could, and then and they had Alfonso Davies, who's faster than anybody on a football pitch, yeah. that can make the recovery runs and that can get back. And he can train Chow and Tamori you know, to, to the same characteristics. I don't know if he would turn Teo Hernandez into a better defender, um, yeah. but he would demand that same kind of performance. So, you know, I, I see it there. I don't know if Napoli have the defenders that like Rahmani and Nathan and, and, and those guys to me are not high line center backs. No. You know, I think they're very easy to beat over the top. If you put them in that role where I think, the players are there at Flick's disposal to play in a similar way that he did at Bayern Munich. What would you say? I think I think he would do well at both. But I think if you ask me who he did, who would do better at, I, I agree with you. I think Milan would. Um, Napoli do have the better midfield, obviously, and that would help. And he, I'm sure he would love to have that, that attack that, that that's over there. But I agree with you. I think uh, Hansi Flick with the pressing that he likes to do and, and kind of the schemes that he likes to draw up, it would be a little bit better fit with Milan, so I think he would have better success. I think he'd be successful either way because I think he, I think highly of him. But um, the fit is better with Milan, certainly. I think in, in this regard. Hmm. But coming back to Mazzari real quick, um, first four games in charge at Napoli, at Atalanta, Ooh. at Real Madrid, hosting Inter at Juventus. Ooh, could get zero points out of those. Ooh, good luck with that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so. And I believe Milan get Fiorentina when they come back at home. So we actually got some decent games. And we've got the Derby d'Italia uh, that's also going to fall when uh, they come back from the break, uh, Inter and Juve. So, um, so. And, and Dominic, the Milan lab has always been terrible. It's not just his last four years. It's been forever since the Pato days, even before that. But anyway, back to you, Frank. <laughs> okay. Well, um, why don't you tell us about uh, – the equivalent of, uh, well, let's just call it what it was, a, a siesta on a football pitch. <laughs> I assume you're talking about the Derby della Capitale. Yes. Um, that game was uh, an interesting game. Obviously, this is a, a heated rivalry between uh, two clubs who don't like each other once a bit. They share a city, very similar to the Milanese clubs. But, uh, yeah, that, that everyone was jazzed for this this matchup. Um, obviously, the two managers do not like each other, Maurizio Sarri and 
Jose Mourinho. Lots of words exchanged before the before the match it was uh, very entertaining to hear. Get you ready for the match. Uh, the, the atmosphere was fantastic to start the game. You watched in the first half, and I, I uh, everyone's saying it was a bad as a bad derby, and and and. and to an extent it was, but I thought the first half was very intense. I mean, there was a million yellow cars in that first half. It's what a derby supposed to be. It's supposed to be tight. It's supposed to be heated uh, and a possibility of red card at any moment because it looked like you were going to get a red card in that game. But then you come out in the second half and, you know, both teams had their opportunities, but it was loaded with errors. I mean, I thought the defenses played well, but the offense, I mean, the strikers in particular, Immobile was trash. Lukaku was trash. Um, the ball was indecision. The ball did like 90% of the work and then blew it. And then same thing on the other side, Luis Alberto uh, did the same thing. I thought Guendozi had a pretty strong game. I thought overall um, some players here and there, you know, had some good performances. The goalkeepers, you know, did well, but it as good as that first half was for me just to watch as a neutral, the overall game was, was drab in a bit because you want to see goals. I wanted to see a red card or blood or something. The first half certainly had that, that those implications. The second half, it kind of stalled out. And they kind of canceled each other. There's two teams who knew what each other's strengths were, and they just kept canceling it out. And the the attacks for both teams were piss poor. They couldn't connect passes in the final third. And just a turno- turnover after turnover. Uh, it looked like you had some great momentum going back and forth, but then it gets stopped going as soon as you get into the, the opposition's uh, goal. And so frustrating game to watch for sure. I, I can't even imagine if you're a supporter because, you know, you want to beat the other. But 0-0, I think, at the end of the day, both teams will take that draw. Certainly Roma being the, the road team, uh, taking a draw there. Uh, and no goals were given up. But, man, that was hard to watch. And I, I wasn't as – it wasn't as drab as – I don't feel as bad about watching the game, even though I lost two hours of my life uh, watching that game as some others. But I think the first half was much better than the second half. Second half, it kind of just tailed off. They kept canceling each other out, and the strikers were just so infuriating to watch because every time you saw something good happening, they blow it. I mean, one of the uh, key examples is when Gwendozi made this fantastic pass to Chiri Mobile, splits the defense, and then it flubs, misses, mistimes the pass, and then, and then by the time he gets on the ball, Mancini's there to clean it up. Uh, and so it's the stuff like that all game long. You kept watching, like, what are we doing here? It seemed like the strikers weren't ready for this, but everybody else was. What were your thoughts on Derby? If you look at the heat maps for Lazio, you'd swear Chiro Immobile was the only player in Roma's penalty area for Lazio. I mean, yeah, yeah. Th- that's a that's pathetic. I mean, yeah, Patrick was in there on corners, Matteo Guendouzi was in there on corners, and Romagnoli was in there on corners, and that's about it. Felipe Anderson played 82 minutes in this game and never got into Roma's penalty. Not existent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how are you a winger and not doing something to influence uh, the game tactically in that regard? And then what we, you know, and then there's a, there's a, there's a thought. Okay. Anderson plays wider, gets to gets the, uh, gets the touchline chalk on his boots and opens that space for Lazzardi to go a little more inverted and maybe find his way into the box from the right, right back position. Cause Lazzardi's capable of doing that. He was Lizzotti so didn't even look, oh. never got in the box either. Like, you know, it was just like hope Immobile gets to one. That was Lazio's game plan. Yeah. Okay. And then when you look at Roma, certainly Dybala, Lukaku, you know, certainly had more intentions, but to your point, wasteful. Uh, there were 15 combined shots in this game. Napoli 
didn't score against Empoli, they shot it 18 times. Okay. <laughs> just for perspective. Yeah. So just to tell you, just so, so if you're wondering, yeah, that's low. Um, so there just wasn't hard. There wasn't any endeavor from Lazio and there's only maybe a little bit more endeavor from Roma. Um, and at, at best. So incredibly disappointing, a terrifying advert for, for Serie A. Um, but, um, it's, uh, you know, it's what you, it's, it's what they got. And and of course zero zero is a fair result when nobody's trying to score Vincent. Yeah. I think Vincent (laughs) brought up a good point though. I think both teams feared losing the Derby. Both teams have lost big in the, in this game. And so I think that's what they were fearing more the most. And you can see it in the second half, first half, it seemed a little bit more open, like I said, like you said, Lazio really weren't venturing forward, but I thought Godozzi was trying to be a playmaker in this game, I thought, uh, for, for Lazio. And once the second half hit, is like, you know, hey, let's not lose the game. Obviously, you know, to someone's point, I think I think Eric's point is like, all Mourinho likes to do is just play the, the low block and, you know, settle for a, a 0-0 game, head into late, and then try to hit him with a winner. Roma have the most, I think I think they have the most goals uh, in the last, like, 10 minutes of the game uh, in the league. And so, you know, that's what they're always going to do, try to, try to get you with a late winner. And yeah, it just it never lived up to the billing. It certainly did in the first half. I thought it was okay, but like, yeah, it just it's not what you want to see. You want to see goals in this, and this is not it's not just uh, a product of the, of the Derby della Capitale. We saw this how many years with the with the with the uh, Derby Milano, where both teams just played stagnant football. Doesn't you know how many times we had Nemo on here? We're like that. That was a boring. That was a boring Derby, right? It's happened mm-hmm. over time, and you expect this in a Derby. But man, get some goals, fight. Get some red cards. I mean, they played scared almost, and they didn't want to lose to, to Vincent's point, and I agree about that. At some point, and okay, so let me let, let me just – let's talk about the state of the capital teams because we, oh. we, we probably don't talk about them as much as we should. Um, Lazio have 13 goals in 12 games so far this season in Serie A. Uh, they only scored – I think they only beat Feyenoord 1-0 – in mm-hmm. Champions League, I mean, and they're—I mean, granted, they're—I t- mean, and, and some of this might be a product of putting the priority on trying to qualify from okay, a relatively tough Champions League group. Celtic, they should win their games against, but Feyenoord's a pain in the ass for them, um, and Atletico Madrid's just really good right now. Um, you know, so there might be some of that going on and that when that subsides and if they qualify, then they can loosen up and then you start seeing a string of league games where they can put their focus on it. But this isn't Saudi ball. I, you know, I, Saudi ball has just completely, and I don't know, (laughs) it's kind of funny. I almost dare to say it, but I think Saudi got huvade. You know, he played this attractive football at Napoli, played breathtaking football at Napoli, scored a bunch of goals, goes to Chelsea, you know, does some similar things there, wins the Europa League, gets the Juve job and goes to and it might have might as well have been Allegri managing the team. And it's like ever since that, Saudi's been much more cautious as a manager. You've got Felipe Anderson, who is in his 2.0 with Lazio, and it's not nearly as good as his 1.0. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's okay, uh, but it's not what he was the first time around. Um, Pedro, I mean, you, you, you've got old wingers. You brought in this Isaacson kid, and I saw him play for Michelin, and I looked at him, and I said, this guy's going to be a player. Yeah. Um, it's time to let him loose and see what he can do. 
He you should know? Co- he looked confident in the derby too. The couple minutes that yeah. he got, um, Charlie, he's taking on one, two, three guys at a time. So yeah, give more minutes. Yeah. And then as for Roma, this is Roma. This is what they are. Okay, they've got all of their pieces back. They struggled against a, you know, and I think you got to maybe give, you certainly got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Patrick and Romagnoli as a partnership was really good. Guendouzi was solid in midfield. I think Cataldi was okay. Um, you know, uh, they did a nice job of breaking some things up, but you certainly are expecting more, um, you know, and, and Roma still got a couple of players that they want to get back yet. Pellegrini being one of them for sure. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, Spinazzola, you have him wide where he can, where he can do some damage and create something. They're trying to make something out of Sardar Osmond, and I'm not sold that he's a he's a good City A player yet. I mean, he's just got into the league, mm-hmm. and I like to give these guys a little bit of a chance. But, it, you know, I haven't seen it from him yet. Um, but this is Roma. This is what Mourinho's going to do with this Roma team. They're going to grind you out, and they're going to look for, you know, the, 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 the few guys that can help decide a game like a Lukaku or a Dybala a Spinazzola when you get it in the wide areas. So I think clearly if there's a team that's going to be happier with this result, it should be Roma. Yeah. Um, and when you're looking at their form all of a sudden, they're they're trending, you know, in terms of results, you know, kind of back into the back into the ascendancy after a disastrous start. Yeah. They had that one nil defeat to enter that sits there in a five game, you know, in, in their last five games that, had it not been for one lapse of concentration, that would have been a draw too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean they got the they've scored double the goals that Lazio scored, basically. Yeah. Um it's both teams were, you know, in, in relegation fodder for a long time, and now both teams are basically in the top ten at the moment. And so um I think Roma is this is this is what Roma is. They they're gonna hit you on the counterattack. Obviously, the games where they're the favorites, you know, play one of the, the smaller teams. They're gonna have more possession. They're gonna take more chances, be more risk avert, but or risk um, take more risks. But you know, games like this is when they're gonna be risk avert. You know, they're not, they're not gonna open up too much. They're gonna hope for keep it tight and then get catch you on a break. Gonna catch you late when you're not paying attention. Uh, and this is what the, Mourinho's mo is, and this is what now this Roma team is is for having. You see what they do in the late games. Now they got, I think, under in the last what two three years. Uh, with Mourinho, they've got twenty something goals in the last ten minutes of the of games, which is again this is the mo. This is what Mourinho wants. He wants to mm-hmm. keep it tight, doesn't want to give up goals, and then finds a way to get to get get out of there. Right? I mean, he, he the Chelsea clubs to an extent did this, especially in the big games. Um, and so yeah, I expect more of this from Roma. Um, they need to do better on the final third. I think again, they did so well for like ninety percent of the play, and then you know get get to the box and they they fluff it up because I thought DiBala had some magical. You know, plays in that game and then loses the ball something silly and then Lukaku tries to drive up the pitch carrying guys all over him he did well Patrick I thought did well you're know, marking him uh with, with the muscle I think Romagnoli is like yeah you take him bro I'm not gonna take him uh but again you get into the box and they couldn't figure it out and so they gotta they gotta do something better than Lazio to your point it was just like you know give it to Immobile and let him do something but Immobile was the biggest for me the biggest weak uh weakness on that team in that game because when they did get it up forward to him, he messed it up completely. He would miss the pass, miss the shot, uh, miss the run completely. He was getting frustrated. He was trying to make some dives and, and, and get some calls. 
Um, I thought the Roma defense was very good in this game. I, Mancini and Dica and um, Llorente, I thought did well. They did well, yeah. you know, and they and they got fiery with him. A couple of opportunities where you know Llorente is going after a lot or Immobile and um, Renato Sanchez get involved. You know, I love seeing that Pedro obviously with the, with the shenanigans. So um, yeah, it was an interesting game. But both teams are getting better. But Roma has the up current better trend, as you say. I agree with that. I want to jump ahead of a couple of topics here and just kind of tie this with the, the capital derby because Roma are sitting in uh, seventh. Okay. Yep. And Lazio are sitting in 10th. Okay. And you got right now five through 10, you've got Atalanta, Fiorentina, Roma, Bologna, Monza, Lazio in that order. Tell me the team that out of those six is best equipped to snatch a top four place. If you had to pick one. Uh, you know what my answer is going to be because that was it, it, it's who I predicted. But I want to hear what you what you have to say. <laughs> of those teams, one, two, three, four, five. I mean, the two most equipped teams, I think. I mean, Lazio, who I picked second this year, I should you be picking pick, them. You got to pick one. <laughs> I know, I know. One team currently. Oh man, it's probably Roma. It's probably Roma. I mean, Fiorentina has glimpses, you know. of, of some good and some bad. Atalanta as well. Um, Lazio, uh, again, I, I, I like Lazio's makeup. Maybe not necessarily how they've been playing lately or start the season. But Mourinho, like like uh, Allegri, they focus on defense, and defense wins championships. Defense will get you further, and I think Roma have the talent. They got most of their pieces, most of them, not all of them. And they're, they're playing what their manager wants the most out of most of those teams, I think. Um, I picked Roma to finish fourth, so I'm going to say Roma. And I think it's for that very reason. Um, to me, I think they're the most organized and they're mo- the most tactically astute of the six teams, which yeah. over the course of these remaining 26 games is going to matter. Okay. Um, I see talk in the chat about Atalanta. I still think they're flaky enough. Um, when they're on, they're good. When they're on, yeah. they are very good. They're absolutely top four. But yeah. it's, you mentioned they're flaky. And they yeah. have these moments, I guess, like Udinese. Now, granted, they have a new manager bump. But there's there's times this season, Atalanta playing against the smaller teams. You're like, what, what's going on with them? They shouldn't be killing this team. They're not. So, yeah, uh, I, I get it. But I agree with you. Fiorentina struggle defensively. And it's uh, and it's evident because they, they have the most goals allowed of the teams in the top ten. Um, but I've seen... I've seen games where they're lucky to give up just the goals that they gave up um, when I watch them play. Yeah. Uh, I remember the Lecce game. I think they ended up drawing that game. It was Lecce had to come from behind. It was at it was at the uh, Frankie. It was earlier in the season. And when I watched this, Lecce should have won this game. Yeah. Um, they left some chances out there. Um, Bologna just don't score enough. They have an effective way with which they play, but I don't think – not that it's not sustainable. I think they're going to be a top-half team. I think very highly of Bologna. I finished – I had them just outside the European places. Uh, eighth is exactly where I had them. So, I, you know, I, I believe that what you're seeing is what you're going to get from Bologna the rest of the way, and they're going to continue to get results. You know, Mons is a good story right now. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly a lot of players with Serie A experience. And Lazio, I just I, – I, I, they're weird to me right now. Um, so it's gotta be Roma. Um, but I will say this cause the chat does bring a good point. Like 
if you're Roma, you're not going to get in the top four with just draws. If you want to get in the top four for any of these teams, you're going to have to beat. You're going to have to play better than Milan, Napoli, and Atalanta if you want to get in the top four. You know, and maybe you get one of them, but you're not going to get all three. So one of these teams are going to have to pick up their game to make it to the top four because that's a that's a battle right there for those last two spots. First two spots probably forget about it at this point, but you know, if you can, if you can. If you play on the Seven Sisters, you need to get a result. You cannot get away in the top four with just draws. We that's what that's what faulted Roma for Roma and Lazio for so many years because they beat everyone in the league, and then when it came out of the Seven Sisters, they couldn't beat anybody, and they missed. They just missed out on the top four. And so again, you need a win in the against the Seven Sisters. Were you surprised that uh, Osmond was preferred to El Shadawi as a substitute in that derby, given some of the form that El Shadawi has been in? The only thing I can think of is was didn't Roma play in in Europe uh, last yep. week? So maybe mm-hmm. he's maybe he's exhausted from that. But you know, but I mean, he came on. I mean, Osman came on in the eighty second minute. You can't El Shadawi oh, can't give yeah. you eight minutes. Maybe I mean I don't know. Maybe he's injured. El Shadawi should be for me should always be starting or playing over Osman until Osman can prove that he is ready for Syria, like you said. Yeah, uh, because El Shadawi's done it on on with Roma. He's He's done it in late games. He's gotten some good chemistry with some of the attackers there. So, yeah, it, it perplexes me. There has to be a reason. I I assume that he didn't come on. Um, maybe he. Uh, I don't know. I I'm not gonna make. I'm not gonna assume what what Mourinho thinks uh, these days. Maybe Apex has a better idea than I do. But um, or maybe Vincent. But uh, yeah, the Osmond thing. I like to see. I want to see Osmond get minutes because I, I I think there's a talent there. He has mm-hmm. to get acclimated to the league. But before El Sharawi, I'm with you. I don't. I don't. I don't see it. I mean, and that's another reason. I mean, Mourinho's tactics suit this Roma team, and then he has the quality up front to decide games, whether with it, whether it's what he starts or what he has coming in off the bench. And that's that's my case for Roma, that they can play a certain way and that they can adjust how they, you know, organize their attackers, you know, to get in position to win games when it gets deep into games. <clears throat> it didn't happen this time against Lazio, but I, I kind of trust how they're set up more than I trust some of the other teams. Yeah. Now, to the point of the chat, I, I, I fancy Atalanta to still be up there and, and, and with the way they're playing. I, I just worry that at some point they fall apart defensively. Yeah. So because they do, they tend to traditionally each year. So, so I, I think if I've got it, so I'm, I'm going to stand by, and I'm and, and, and mainly standing by it because I picked Roma fourth, and I'm not. I, I'm just going to die on that hill for the rest of the season. So good on you, good yep. on you. Oh man! So let's bundle the next two teams that we're going to talk about. Inter go on and beat Frosinone and Federico Di Marco with oh dear lord, uh, the leader in the clubhouse for goal of the season. Um. Uh, that was uh, that was just something sensational, um, and then Juve beat Cagliari two one. Let's ask this question first. Uh, Inter thirty one points, Juve twenty nine points. The next closest team is Milan on twenty three. Can we say after twelve games that this is already a two horse race for the Scudetto? <laughs> I, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. I think you can. Because I don't, Inter and Juve are playing very consistent at the moment. Every other club is not. And mm-hmm. if with until one of these teams figures it out and gets on a run, you gotta have to catch up to Inter Juve, and they they have to falter. And at the moment, it's a six point gap just for second place. 
I, I think it's a two-horse race. Uh, I didn't think there was going to be a runaway this year, but we may have Inter-Juve just pull away from everybody. It's very plausible. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to say it's a two-horse race. What do you think? I agree. Um, just because the optics suggest it. Um, n- not only are they accumulating the most points, not only are they comfortably ahead of everybody else right now, but I don't see how the other teams do what's necessary to gain the points on them. You know, Inter are beating the bottom half teams. Milan are not. Napoli are not. Yeah. Okay. Atalanta are not. They're not beating all of them. Okay. Uh, Juve are finding ways to, you know, they're, they're, they're playing Allegri ball and they're finding ways to win. Mm-hmm. Um, Vincent thinks Milan are still in the title race, but, but just barely, you know, and I think we saw whoever drops out of, I think it was Eric that said it, that whoever drops out of Europe first has, whoever's yeah. dropping out of Europe first has an advantage as well. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, I mean, it wasn't, Napoli last season was the exception, but the two seasons prior to that, Milan and Inter were both bounced out at the group stage and won the league and could focus on the league and go on and win the league. There is, there is something to say about that. Juventus fall out of Champions League every year and they, they win the league for nine years. Well, they fall right? out of the Champions League. They call it the Champions League this summer. So, that too. So, yeah. Uh, uh, cue the uh, Ko Kome Mai uh, song. <laughs> Oh my, my kids love that. By the way, I played that for Who them. And they that? Just, my, my son, that? my son will sing that on a continuous loop. <laughs> and he used to support Juve, and now he doesn't like him anymore. So he just oh, says, man. you know, he says, "I can't support a team that cheats." <laughs> so, um, sorry for my Juve friends out there. Um, I, 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 so then let's take it a step further. We think that this is the optics just suggests that, and, and maybe somebody comes out of nowhere and makes this interesting. And then maybe the other shoe drops in. Inter has an injury crisis and can't put out the same consistent product that they're that they're comfortable with, or, or Juve can't put the same consistent product out that they're comfortable with. Those things can happen. There's still 26 games left, We're only a third of the way through the season. Yeah. Um, but let's ask this: uh, We've been anointing Inter pretty much as champions elect since the start of the season. We predicted them for the title. How credible is Juve's title challenge here? I say it's very credible because yeah. in our initial preseason pick, I picked Juve to win the Scudetto. And once I got to see the teams, I, you know, we'll say Inter, how they're playing. I'm like, Inter is going to win it. I still think very highly of Inter, but to everyone's point, you know, Juve doesn't play in Europe. And Allegri has gotten back to brass tactics of what got him the nine Scudetto in Europe. He got, what, seven of them or whatever it was. Um, yeah, Juve, Juve are just playing much better defensively. Bremer is finally playing like the Bremer we saw from Torino now, where he's scoring goals, being stout defensively. The team, they think defense first, and they're actually capitalizing on, on their goals, and it's not just Vlahovic trying to score all the goals. Vlahovic and Chiesa really are not doing much in terms of score sheet. It's everybody else contributing. Wait till those two guys kick in, and then it'll be, okay, look, Juve are serious. And Juve have their moments where they win 3 4 nothing in the games or score a lot of goals. Uh, but the defense, this is the first goal they gave up this weekend in, what, nine games, something like that, something crazy, ten games. Um, and so this Juve team is absolutely legit, I think, with no outside distractions like Inter currently have. You know, barring any big injuries, I think they're absolutely going to be a, a viable contender for the Scudetto, and they could easily win it. They could easily win it because, like you said, say Inter go deep in Champions League. They're going to be focused on that, and especially so close being last year. Juve got no distractions. Why not? And all it takes is a slip up for Inter. We saw last year when 
Napoli, yes, they had a big lead for most of the season, but as other teams are getting more distracted, they start pulling away and point by point taken from everybody else. And next you know, they're 18 points ahead of everybody. So it's very, it very well could happen like this with this Juventus team. Uh, they're sneakily good. There is no outside of Chiesa and Vlahovic. You're like, okay, it's an okay team. Chesney obviously is fantastic. But it's an okay team. The midfield's okay. Defense is okay. You know, the rest of the attack's okay. But Allegri knows how to win. He knows how to get points. And that's what's important, as we said before. Defense wins championships. And the two best, two of the best defenses in the league are Inter and Juventus. Hmm. What if I told you, those in the betting, those that are interested in placing a wager, um, Juve at home against Inter is a plus 230 underdog. Plus 230 to win. Wow. So if you bet $100 on Juve right now and they win, you win $230, you $230 profit. That is shocking to me. Time to put some money in here. Hell, this I, I'm, I'm half tempted to send my, uh, my brother's brother-in-law over to the casino where we have sportsbook and say, uh, yeah, let's uh, slap 100 on that. Draws at plus 232. Inter's plus 115 as a favorite. So if you think Inter can go to, if you if, if, if you think Inter can go to the J and win, you're going to get plus money on that. Inter, so. it get, the odds will only get tighter as the game gets closer. So, I mean, I might, I might, put, I might put some money on uh, Juve tonight just, uh, just to take a chance and get some money. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to see if my friend is available. We can talk about this a little bit, but I... Um, Juve enter in November, and we're going to have as uh, a friend of mine, Giovanni Vidal, who knows a lot about you know you know betting on football, daily fantasy soccer, and things like that. Uh, we're going to get him as a guest at some point to kind of talk about that, maybe uh, you know some of the trends in Serie A uh, for some of those that like to wager on on that, and, and and give some tips and things like that that he sees. So um, we'll, uh, we'll 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 hook that up soon. But I'm going to just ask him. Um, okay. I'll ask him. I'll let you know if he answers. So right. that is very, very tempting. So um, under two and a half because it's a legry ball. I can buy that. I'll, I'll the other two and the other two and a half is probably going to be minus money anyway. So yeah, um, you're betting. A, you're probably going to be bet hundred to win back eighty. Like so, you not worth it. So a hundred, a hundred to win one eighty, basically. So um, would be kind of in the realm of what I would think the under is on the two and a half. I think that they're going to expect that. So. But yeah, it's. I mean, that's going to be a heck of a game. Do you want to give an early prediction on what you think happens there when they when we all come back, or twelve days away too a little too early for you to figure it out? Too early to tell. I'm going to say it's at the J, right? I'm going to say ooh, early money. Early money is on Inter stealing it. That's early money. Who has that, more possession in this game? That's a, that's what I want to know. You got uh, both teams don't want it. Zagi yeah. certainly doesn't want it, but it's going to be Inter. It's gotta yeah. be Inter, yeah. Because Allegri will throw the ball away. He's like Mourinho. He's like, "Hey, take the ball. I don't want it." Yeah. Um, not to say that both teams are gonna have good spells, uh, you know, for sure. But I think Inter will be forced to have more more of the ball uh, in this one. But uh, yeah, no, it'll be it'll be an interesting. Hopefully, it's better than a derby derby della capitale for sure. Gotcha. Oh man, uh, yeah, I, I. I'm tempted to say just a one-one draw right now because I'm just too, uh, too chicken to pick a winner right now. You know, I, I want to see what you know what what shape all these players are in coming For back sure. from from their internationals too. For sure. So 
But you're telling me right now I could bet Juve at plus 230. I'd probably go for it. I so. would ra- I would rather bet that DeMarco wins goal of the season right now. <laughs> that goal was fantastic. Is it the yeah. best halfway goal I've seen ever? No. But that was a sensation of goal. Uh, he yep. absolutely did it on purpose. And it was a screamer of a shot as well. He they call it. Hey, the best part of watching. Uh, uh, so I think both Inter and City have all like all the angles of it. The best one for me is watching the reaction of the goalkeeper of Frosinone because his face is like, what the fuck am I going to do? I couldn't do anything about that shit. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I also think that this is a two horse race because clearly because these are the two best defenses in the league. Yeah. You know, I think we're going to talk about at, but by the time we get to about two thirds of the season, Roma's going to be up there statistically with them defensively in terms of goals conceded. They're going to be close, um, you know, but it's still going to be Juve and Inter as the two best defenses in the league well-organized, and especially in Juve's case, case, they they rarely give you anything easy or cheap. Um, You know, and I think that that matters right now with how this season is going. I will say in terms of talk about the best defenses in the league this year, don't sleep on Bologna sneaking in there as well. They are sneakily good defense at the moment. Sure. Now, now they're not not Juve inter-level or even Aroma level, but... Moto's got them playing at the Tiago Moto's got them playing at the moment. So keep an eye on Bologna's defenses here. In terms of statistics, I'm talking about how they end up playing and who the talent and all that stuff. I'm just saying statistic wise. Yep. Okay. Um so that was our, our 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 thought on the top two right now, because I think it's just it's it's gonna be fascinating. And right now they're they're separating themselves from the rest of the pack. And I think it's gonna be it is a two horse race. And I think I I'm and to answer the question. I'm with you. I think Juventus is a legit challenger for the way they're playing, the way they're defending. They're not giving a whole lot away to opponents and they're finding ways to win. It's, it's Allegri ball. So, um, and I always get a laugh when Bonetti puts out the, uh, uh, you know, Allegri did the, uh, I guess it was Italy's version of dancing with the stars. Yes. Yes. It's the best, best way I can describe (laughs) it. So, um, let's have a quick chat just to squeeze it in and it wasn't on our topic list, but we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. So we talked about five through 10. Let's talk about 11 through 16. Torino, Frosinone, Genoa, Lecce, Sassuolo, Udinese. Rough group right now, really, when you take a look at them. Their team is expected at the bottom. Yeah. Um, Any of these teams that you think might be a threat for top, top half. And and if it was, who would you pick? Man, I, I mean, the pick you want to say is Torino because it's because of, of the all the teams listed, they have probably the most talent and yeah, Urich has in history historically done much better than them. But you know you can't sleep on you can't sleep on Lecce. Frosinone is doing a fantastic job this year. You know, yes, they lost the Inter two nothing, but they played really well in that game. They had their chances. Sommer had to make some big saves. Sassuolo on their good days are capable with anybody, but they have bad days. They're Jekyll and Hyde very much so. And Udinese, we'll see what they do with their manager. But they've always had a, they've always played well defensively. Just couldn't do anything offensively. And now under Joffe with him back, they're doing better now, right? And they mm-hmm. they, they they gave Atalanta all they can handle. So I'm gonna say Torino still. I would not be surprised if a Frosinone or Lecce jump in there. Yeah, as a surprise. I actually don't think any of these. I think these teams are 11 through 16, and you might even make the suggestion that at least one of them is going to get mired in the relegation battle. Um, so I don't think any of them. Uh, I, I think Mons is better than all of these teams. Uh, I agree. I'm, 
Oh, big I fan agree. of Andrea Colpani. I'm glad he got a call up to you too. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Um, if we went just on talent, Torino, sure. but the, the the results have been very inconsistent. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk about a team that's trending up, Genoa. Yeah. Um, this was a team that looked like a disaster defensively when they started the season, and Alberto Giolidino has made some very nice adjustments. Yes, he has. Um, they're playing better. Uh, as long as Albert Goodmundson stays healthy, he's creating a lot for them. Um, and they're finding ways to get results against the teams around them. You know, it's going to be interesting to see if they might be able to, 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 to claim a scalp here uh, from, from one of these, from, from any of these teams in the top half, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Um it's going to be tough for them because I don't think they, at the end of the day, I don't think they have the horses to keep up with many of those teams up there. Um, but Rategi has been decent. You've got Malinowski who's trying to get his career back on track and he's shown some moments. Um, and now they have a system that they're playing in. That's a lot more effective than what they were playing with at the beginning of the season. So that's a credit to Giladino for his ability to adjust. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, because how many man and we we've t- we and we talked about this before we've exhausted it. How many managers in this team will just refuse to adjust? They'll just play their same system and they'll just try to jam square pegs into round holes. Yeah, Tiagamoto so. the first time in Genoa, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know Who's you know who's, who's input I would love to hear right now, and maybe we'll get it during the international break. Our friends over the Lecce boys over UK UK fan club. They're uh, curious to see how they feel about the season going on so far. So maybe we can get them in here during the international break. So Frank and I will talk off air, but uh, yeah, that'd be cool to see how their guys are doing. And, you know, Lecce are a team that absolutely could sneak in there with Genoa. Absolutely. So, you know, full credit to Gilardino and um, Dave Arisa for the, the work that they've done with their clubs this year. And um, if Genoa can get consistency out of the striker, you, you know, have some, a compliment to Rettigui, you know, maybe Puskas or someone else steps in there to help Goodmanson because Goodmanson can't do it everything himself. Um, Genoa really is a viable threat. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it'll happen. I just, I like how they've been trending. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, if, if, if you're really wanting to look on uh, Eric Williams, I'm leaning on, I'm leaning on Pisa. Okay, Eric, you can go. <laughs> well, uh, our media and Teresa has a good question. He's like, who do you want to see back next year? Parma, who's in the running, Venezia, Palermo, Pisa, I guess. <laughs> um it's an interesting question. I mean, because for me, I'm, I think you're going to be the same way as Palermo. And, I, and all these clubs are great, but Palermo is like one of those clubs, you know, all those names of Mikuli and all those other guys. I mean, with a crazy owner that they don't have anymore. Pa- Palermo back in the league would be fantastic. We need a good Southern team like that to get back. Their stadium was amazing. Um, yeah. who, do you, who would you like to see back next year? Well, being a Sicilian, being half Sicilian, I'd, I'd say Palermo. So yeah. I've always just- had a soft spot for them. Or just get the low hanging fruit like Eric and say, uh, leaning on a uh, lean on pizza. Shirok <laughs> <laughs> coming in talking about Newcastle, Dortmund, Marseille. Uh, I, I wonder if he's answering our question. Oh, oh the fashion, the fashion, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. all right, okay. Yeah. Fair I, I, yeah, Newcastle, yeah, I mean. Marseille certainly. No doubt Dortmund about too. it. Dortmund you just well, I, I, nah, come on, you were you were ready to refuse to bring that name up. <laughs> It's been an hour and a half now. I, I kind of softened up, okay? <laughs> yeah. 
You're getting soft in your old age. I am. Bari, I Bari, be, yeah, Bari would be good to see. Amazing yeah, Bari, there. 50,000 seater yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with those with those City B teams. But, yeah, I, uh, Parma, Venezia, Palermo. Venezia for the kits and for the marketing. Uh, that was a yeah. fun – yeah, oh yeah. That was a fun experience with them last year. Yeah. So um so finally the bottom four, Empoli, Cagliari, Verona, Salernitana. If you had to pick one to survive, who would it be? <laughs> Jeez. Um I was man, that it's hard because I think each of them on their day have, have managed to get a scalp. Obviously, Empoli did it recently. I like the way Empoli play just because they are willing to attack the ball. Um, now, that could be to their detriment because they give up a lot of goals, but they're willing to take chances and, and go for the goals. And under Adriazzoli, they seem to found some new life. Cagliari has come on in the last couple of weeks. Hellas has had their moments. Salernitana have some nice players, right? Buladia, Mehmet uh, Ochoa. But uh, for me, if I'm picking one between all these teams, I'm going to say Empoli. I, I I think Andre Zoli has straightened it out. I'll go down. <laughs> all all four of them. <laughs> it could happen. Used to, didn't, didn't there used to be four teams get relegated it may have. Uh, it may have. At, at one point? So, um, I I you know, Empoli is the most practical. I mean, I I would love to see Ranieri pull this off with Cagliari. I, I, Salernitana confirmed their relegation by hiring people in Zaghi to be their manager. I know. Um, I like Kyle too, for sure. I've been predicting Verona to get relegated, so they need to go. I guess for our friend George, let's just say let's just say Cagliari. All right, there we go. Okay, seventeenth uh, <laughs> sympathy relegation. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Can we survive and then you know, good. the Vumble makes it to a, a top team in City? Yeah, how about that? And then they go down the next year. They go down the next year. All right, yeah. George, we gave you a year. Yep. So <laughs> let's see if we can keep them up. Uh, so, all right. Well, uh, so those were our. Uh, I mean, we don't even need to talk about goals of the week. Let's not waste any time. I already said Demarco. Demarco, goal of the and, year and candidate. It's it's not like any other goals were scored this weekend after that. So he is he is the clear leader in the clubhouse in, in terms of goal of the year because I can't think of anything that's oh, really sure. outstanding as that. Oh, for sure. So yeah, there's no there's no dancing around that one. Um, yeah, you go straight to it. So yeah, for me, it's Demarco. Um, somebody call him Defartco on and. On, on 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 was that was that Morelli that did that? It just maybe don't be, don't be he calls everybody fart. He calls everybody fart. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a fascination fascination with flatulence. So <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So that was our roundup of what's going on. You know, kind of an all encompassing of the first uh, twelve games. Now that we're hitting an international break, and speaking of international break, uh, it's time to take a look at the Azzurri call-ups, Richard. Yeah, so we've got the lineups here on the screen. So uh, the cops for the uh, Azzurri, first to start with goalkeeper Donnarumma, Moret, Provedel, Vicario. No surprises there. Defense, yeah, Cherby, Bastoni, Buongiorno, Calabria. So much for that. He got injured. They, you asked why he came off of the game. He got injured. Uh, okay. Cambiasso, Darmian, Di Lorenzo, Di Marco, Gatti, Toloi. Midfield, Barella, Bonaventura, Colpani, Cristante, Fratesi, Giorgino, Locatelli. And the attack, you got Berardi, Chiesa, El Sharawi, Kane, 
Napolitano, Raspadores, Camaca, and Zagnolo. All right. Uh, Toloi still gets still gets into this team for some reason. Um, I I mean, he's solid for Atalanta. He has not had a good Italy game ever. Yeah. You know, at some point you just have to cut bait and say, all right, we got to give somebody else a look at this. So is he the new um, Benucci? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> why not Romagnoli? Right. Yeah. Um, instead of Toloi. That, that, that's the one beef I have there. Um, central midfield. Jorginho. Why? He hardly plays for Arsenal. Hardly. Um, you're basically taking them because you need some people in this camp that have some experience. Um, you know, and that's what Jorginho brings you. Uh, you know, and then I'm looking at the attack. I, yeah. I, I, I really don't have any complaints about the attack. I think no. that that's fine. No. Um, so Raffaele at Italiano Calcio, uh, and I, I think he said uh, this was from Gazzetta, Gazzetta della Sport. Uh, the uh, possible Italy lineup against North Macedonia on Friday. It's going to be a 4-3-3. Donnarumma in goal. Darmian, Acerbi, Bastoni, Di Marco. Okay, fine. Um, I, I like an all-inter back four, uh, even though they play a back three. Um, I, I, I like I, – I want guys that are defending well, and all four of those guys are defending well together. And, and they play together in the same club. That matters. Uh, Badella, another inter guy. Uh, Jorginho and Bonaventura, and then uh, they've got Kane and Politano flanking Raspadori, but in parentheses, they've got El Shadawi and Berardi flanking Scamacca. Um, what do you make of that? I mean, Jorginho, here's the only reason why you play Jorginho in a game as important as this you know, you're going to have the ball against North Macedonia, you want to come back to a a guy that's in that deep lying role that's going to be able to spray the ball around and help you keep it. Because let's face it, under Mancini, Jorginho was good at that, was was relatively good at that. Yeah. Where he was rubbish was defending. And I mean, in the qualifier, I mean, I'm still having nightmares about that first qualifier against England where they just completely ran past him. Um, North Macedonia don't necessarily have the athletes that England have, but they have some technical players and it's Barty chief among them. Um, you know, and then they have some guys in there that have some Serie A experience, but if this was the four, three, three, how confident would you be in Italy getting a result with this starting lineup? The only thing missing from that midfield is uh Verratti, right? Um, right. I, I get, I mean, this is such a, as we, we mentioned before, how the loss to England wasn't as bad because these next two games are more are massively important and we had their must win. So I get why they brought Jorginho because, like you said, the experience in, the, in all this. Now, I don't know if I want him to start necessarily, but, you know, if this is what happens, so be it. Um, I like the I like going with the inter back four uh, because one of the best defenses in the league and they're all familiar with each other. So they can be able to good 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 communication with each other. Um Midfield, obviously having Varela in there. Bonaventura, I'm glad he started because he's on fire at the best form of his career. So yeah. good to see him in there. Raspadori, same thing. He just captain clutch, I think, for me. He just knows how to get the ball, important goals, and for them. Pairing him up with Politano. Berardi, you know, you you can say Berardi has, when he's on, he is fantastic. But I think that that combination between Politano and Raspadori could prove very well. 
and it, since you got two small guys, having a guy like Can in there instead of El Shadawi makes sense because if you need to be him as a focal point, you can swapping him and Raspadori, you know, uh, switching positions. Uh, Kane's got a lot of lot of pace, and he could mix very well with Raspadori, I think. So, the big key question mark for me is kind of like you is Jorginho. Why is he in there? Yes, you want to distribute the ball. You expect they're going to have more possession than North Macedonia. But again, there's some other options I think you could put in there in that midfield that would help do the same thing and maybe be more more solid defensively. But we'll we'll see. I mean, this is a crucial game for the Azzurri. Maybe put Jorginho on a short leash, and if it's not working at halftime, you pull him. But I don't know if Spalletti's going to do that. Um, but what are your thoughts? The problem is the alternatives in that role are Locatelli or, or, or Cristante, and Cristante hasn't worked either. And and Locatelli, this isn't quite the Juventus setup where he can play that role. Yeah. So um, I think at this point, you know, I, I, at this point you have nothing else to, to lose here uh, yeah. at that position. Um, you know, so that's the one that I'm toughest on. I'd rather bet, I, I'd rather bet Adi over Politano, but I get the Politano call because he's been in really good form for Napoli. Yeah. I mean, if there's one uh, saving grace for Garcia's tenure is that he actually got some consistency out of the right wing um, in that Napoli setup with Politano. Politano was playing really well under him. Um, but I slightly favor Bidardi. Um, How about Fratesi? Do you think Fratesi could be in the Georgina role? No, Fratesi's he's more uh, like a Barella role. Yeah, yeah. He's he, you know I, I can't I can't get there with him. Um, who are the rest of the midfield? Let's go back to the graphic. With so the, the mid, mid the midfielders you got Barella, Bonaventura, Colpani, Cristanti, Fratesi, Jorginho, Locatelli. So you mean yeah, at, we're stuck with Jorginho then because yeah. yeah, Col, Col, you definitely can't put Colpani there. Um, so if this was a game where we knew that the Azzurri would have 80% of possession, Locatelli, I think you'd do good in there because you got some guys who can cover for Umbrella and Bonaventura, but this is going to be a fairly even game. You would imagine North Daniel has always been a thorn, uh, for the Azzurri. And so, well, they knocked him out of world cup qualifying last time. Exactly. So, so Jorginho has experience out of all those guys and he can make can facilitate, facilitate the ball. You're hoping that you know defensively, you know, Barella is going to obviously help out, and Bonaventura is going to help out as well because Jorginho can't do it alone. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but that might be just the best of the bunch that we got, right? Yeah, you got to hope for superiority in possession if this is the lineup that they're going with. You've got to go with Jorginho. I think Italy win with this lineup. To be honest with you, I, it's going to be we're going to be gritting teeth, uh, but I mean, it's going to be a two-one win. They're going to ride it out. They're going to get the three points which set the stage, which I believe if that happens, then a draw at Ukraine on the last day gets them in because it'll be head to head between Italy and Ukraine. Okay. Um, Cause I think Italy would be ahead of Ukraine on goal difference I as believe, well. I so I think so. they've got all the tiebreakers covered in fact. So, um, so this is the important game. You got to win this and then you, you can't even worry about Ukraine. Um, you know, the only other I, I don't have many other objections to the it's already I don't like the Toloi call. I'd rather Romagnoli get that. Uh the goalkeepers are pretty straightforward. Um, you know, and uh the midfielders, yeah, I really can't I really can't fault that selection either. I don't think there's really anybody else that you can change. I if if we want to really nitpick Richard on the attack. Sagnolo? No, how do we not find a place for Grifo? 
Um, he's been really good for Freiburg, particularly in the Europa League. I haven't watched enough Bundesliga, and I think he's been effective there too. Um, but he would probably be the one out of the attack that I think is a snub here. Sure. Yeah. No, that's not that's not that's a fair shout. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the attack has more options in the midfield currently. It's like kind of like Eric says, it's not a bad midfield. It just has no wow factor in there. You know, I think you have a better chance of that in the in the attack with, you know, guys like Escamaca on his game. Russell Dory is obviously the wow guy for me. Um, but you know. Kane on his day, obviously Chiesa. Hopefully, uh, Chiesa comes off the bench and and ignites that offense. Berardi has a capability as well, right? So, I like yeah. that. And you, you have those guys coming off in super subs versus uh, the central midfielders. It's like, okay, well, you got some plug and play guys, but you know, Barella is going to be your main workhorse on that on that right side. And then, you know, hopefully someone like a Copani comes in for Bonaventura, or I doubt he comes in, but maybe a Fratesi more than likely. Maybe Locatelli comes in there and and helps him out, but. Uh, yeah, if Jorginho goes down too, you know, it's Cristante or, or Bus, I guess, or maybe Locatelli or Bus. Yep, agreed, agreed. So let's uh, let's wrap it up now. We have the world's most popular hashtag game to finish it off, Richard. It's time for Who Won Calcio Twitter. You would think I'd be prepared for this, but uh, apparently I'm not. Where is that Yeah, page? what's the date that we're even starting on? <laughs> uh, if I can find my page, and I will let you know. Uh, oh, there we go. Matteo Bonetti. I just saw his name. Where did he go? Oh, the uh, highlight. Charles, Charles Cattellari Heights. Yes, 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 yes. So that is it. So uh, let's get going there. <laughs> Tone deaf Charles Cattellari. The new Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> what was that? Ella, Ella. Hey, no, no, no. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Charles. Sorry. Oh, okay. Martino Puccio, Ruben Loftus Cheek, ball carrying wow, highlights versus now. PSG. One of the angriest <laughs> American football <laughs> runs you're ever going to see. What a run. One of the greatest runs in history. Yeah. What is now. He's dancing his way. And astonishing how Seattle doesn't have two Super Bowl wins. I know, I know. All right, next, Carlo Garganese. It's Milan and PSG every time the other team attacks. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, so uh, our friend at WiseOldBHJ, Richard, this, Richard say, our, our Richard, this, this motherfucker every single time his job and backer against the wall. He pulls a masterclass out of his ass. Uh, and uh, Brian saying maybe Zlatan's job is going to be to threaten to kill him before every match. There you go. There you go. A little motivation, little motivation. Yeah, that would probably be uh, relatively motivating now, wouldn't it? Exactly. Uh, moving on. Uh, Zoe Gex uh, says uh, Mbappe finally lived his dream playing for Milan San Siro. <laughs> Where is this? Uh, it was oh, there it that. is. Okay. Yeah, yeah I got yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, moving on. Uncle Sharma, he got dunked on disrespectfully again. Uh, Giroud heading on Skriniar. Yeah, did it did it before as well, uh, but yeah. Giroud suspended for two games uh, for the next two game, uh, Serie A games from Milan for uh, talking about the referee's mama and that Lecce game that got him sent off. Got two yellows in a matter of seconds uh, for doing that, but uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, going back to Matteo Bonetti, if Reinders could put his shots on target, He'd be really good. <laughs> I win the ball on the oar. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Our friend uh, at Nick Diani, Serie A clubs, every transfer window. Give us some financial support. Okay. Okay, please. Give us a credit and we will <laughs> give, give you credit. back money. Zelensky. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, Sempre Milan. It's uh, AC Milan owner Jerry Cardinale at full time. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Let's see. Moving on. Uh, uh, at AC Milan, or, or, oh AC Milan, is, is how it really went. Video, video courtesy of Green Italy. Vedrai che ce lo tolgono. Ce lo tolgono sicuro. Così è brutto, ragazzi. C'è soprattutto un pubblico meraviglioso, un pubblico. Oh, was this about? Oh, Inter posted a video and it showed it at the, uh, a picture. It said, "Hey Green Day, we really like your outfit because we're holding up a jersey." So it made it seem like Green Day was a fan of Inter. But then Milan went to VAR and they showed the video. The actual video was him holding up both jerseys, Milan and Inter. And ultimately, Milan got the, the, the fan favor by the crowd. So um, nice. <laughs> they're just Milan making fun of Inter, which is funny. Uh huh. Okay. All right. So moving on. All right. Moving on. Uh, so uh, Calcio England said uh, a lion has escaped from a circus and. Uh, La Dispoli near Rome, which is uh, currently wandering the residential streets. And so, uh, Michael Lisi says, Latan on his way to sign his new deal at Milan. He jumped all over that one, didn't he? He did. He did. All right. At uh, our friend Big Show, Quada highlights 23-24, defending Scudetto champ and Ballon d'Or nominee, all goals, dribbles, assists. Better than Diego Maradona. <laughs> oh my goodness! Love how he picked. Uh, love how he picked a uh, the grab of a gum dance, and he's got, uh, and he's got, he's got uh, dirt on his shorts, kind of in the area where you shit. <laughs> you know, uh, funny enough, I something. think this came from the Napoli TikTok. No did joke, it? I think it did, which is sad. Wow, but true. Okay. Uh, moving on, uh, big show again. It's uh, Napoli fans that's winning Scudetto. <laughs> Wally, <laughs> sucks. That was good. Uh, I think that's the leader in the clubhouse right now. Yes, yes. And then so, lastly, I kind of alluded to this. Aurelio De Laurentiis gets a nomination because he says, "Ben tornato, Walter." He said this before he fired Rudy Garcia. Like what? The un- fuck? Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I think Big Show has done it again. The last one, uh, this fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Uh, poor Wally. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he ate something like he ate something like hot or something that day or whatever, but uh that's funny. That's funny. All right. All right. CDK has CDK has more goals than Jovic has shots this season. Yes, that is sad but true. Uh sad but true. But uh yeah, anyway. All right. Well, while you write that. Um, yeah, we're going to try to link up with our boys, uh, the UK fan club from Lecce. Haven't talked to them in a good minute. They're sitting 13th in the table, so let's see how they're doing. Uh, but we got the international break, so we're going to take a little break here. Um, yeah, games are on Friday and uh, Monday. Not ideal for, for me for watching, at least. Uh, some of us got jobs, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it should be entertaining games. Two must-win games. We want to get back into uh, European competition, so uh, let's see how the Azzurri do, and hopefully they get two wins here or at least get enough to get into the into uh euro the euros so we'll we'll see frank but uh i'm I, i'm a, i'm optimistic yep yep um you know by the way uh it's uh i'll tell you this 
This, the, the Leche Fan UK is actually, there's been demand for that. I know Lisi is, uh, yeah. is direct message, both of us saying, hey, get those guys back on. Yeah. They're a good interview. So, um, and we've had others that said the same thing, said, yeah, get those guys. Yeah, it'd be great to, great to hear from them again. So, yeah. uh, and, and they're friends of the podcast and we appreciate their support. So, yeah, we're going to try to see if we can make that work and uh, yeah. get an interview going with them here during this international break. Uh, so, speaking of which, Unless we have to really do something to talk about the Itzuri, I think we're going to take next week off, seeing that it's internationals and Thanksgiving and all that fun stuff, right? Yeah, if Matsada gets fired in an international break, we will be live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, <laughs> yeah, you know, so unless or something field, crazy happens, we're going we're gonna to take our siesta from the international break, and we may, uh, you know, when we return uh, following the Thanksgiving holiday, we'll touch on uh, the Itzuri's performance at that point. Thanksgiving um, is coming up next week. My goodness, time flies. Yeah, it does. Thanksgiving. So uh, so we will uh, be taking siesta next week, but we will be back uh, two weeks from today uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern. So uh, please uh, uh, hit that notification bell, as we said, so that you can be uh, alert. And by the way, uh, hit the like. Uh, great time for you to hit the like if you've watched this and enjoyed it. So. Uh, and with that, we'll put a bow on this edition of Seria Sit Down, where we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We're also on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever there's podcasts, there is Serie A Sit Down. At Serie A Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram, hit us up with your thoughts. Hit us up with uh, anything that uh, you want us to touch on in future podcasts. We'd be happy to if there's somebody out there in the Calcio streets that knows their shit and you think we need to get them on there and talk about them, please pass it along. We'd love to, you know, we'll obviously put them through the vetting process. We put through everybody else really big betting process by the way uh but nonetheless we will uh uh you know be interested so um we're also on facebook so check us out there uh and um again uh please uh uh subscribe to this video uh <clears throat> hit that notification bell drop the like we would appreciate that very much chat awesome as always you guys rock uh, to all of our American friends uh, listening, uh, we hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Eat without shame. I'm going to. Drink without shame. I'm going to. Uh, so I'll probably put on a good five pounds here, in, uh, you know, in about nine days' time. So. Yep. yep. For sure. For sure. <laughs> all right. So uh, we'll catch up with you guys again here two weeks from now. We'll have a lot to discuss. We'll be. Uh, back dealing with uh, Champions League competitions, three big games uh, when the Calcio resumes. Uh, Italy, uh, Milan, Fiorentina, uh, Napoli, Atalanta, Juve, Inter. Uh, so we jump right back into it. Uh, so we will need the break. <laughs> so because we're going to need to ramp up. For it. But until then, uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. Thank you all uh, for listening to City A Sit Down, a podcast of World Football Index. Uh, and as always, be sure you're telling your paisans about us. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs>